Hebrews chapter 1 is our text this morning. As soon as you find your place, please join me by standing. If you would, we'll read together responsively Hebrews chapter number 1. To our own people, if you see a guest around you who may not have a copy of the Word of God, maybe you can share yours on the back pews. There are some uh, pew Bibles on the back, few pews there. If you want to grab one of those and read along with us. Hebrews chapter number 1. Three weeks ago, Sunday morning, we began a series that will take us up to Christmas morning. I've never done this as pastor, but I want to take some different elements of the Christmas story and each and every Sunday morning dwell on one particular element. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, we looked at the announcement that the angels made to Joseph and Mary and how they were astounded about that that child she was going to give birth to. Last week, we looked at why he came. Why did Jesus come? Uh, We looked at He came to be our Savior. He came to be our Satan defeater. He came to be our our high priest. And and many of the things we looked at, why He came. This morning I want to talk to you about the life of Jesus, the miraculous Jesus. Nobody ever walked the face of this earth like Jesus and the miraculous Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, I'm going to begin verse 1. Please join me in verse number 2 and every other verse together until we close in verse number 8. Hebrews 1, 1 said, God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as hath hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he said, And let all the angels of God worship him. And all of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits and the ministers of flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. The miraculous Jesus. Father, help us this morning. I can never get on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ even having studied, even prayerfully led by your Spirit, we always end the message and feel like we didn't do it justice. What a magnificent life. What a marvelous life. What a miraculous life. I pray through your Spirit that you'd speak to us today. Maybe there's someone here that does not know Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here that is unconvinced of who Jesus is. Would you show us from your word this morning this miraculous life and why Jesus came and what our response to that miraculous life should be? Use this special music in just a moment to speak to our hearts and warm our hearts for the message this morning. May your will be done in my life, Lord Jesus. May it be done in each of our lives here this morning. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
and broken, I came back to Him, a vessel unworthy, so scarred by sin. But He did not despair, He started over again, and I bless the day He didn't throw my clay away. Over and over He molds me and makes me into His likeness. He fashions the clay. A vessel of honor I am today, and it's all because Jesus doesn't throw the clay away. Now he is the potter, and I'm just the clay. Molded in his image, he wants me to stay. But when I stumble and fall, and my vessel breaks, he just picks up the pieces, he never throws the clay away. Over and over He molds me and makes me Into His likeness He fashions the clay A vessel of honor I am today And it's all because Jesus doesn't throw the clay away. A vessel of honor I am today. And it's all because Jesus He never throws the clay away. Aren't you glad about that? Here's the test. Breathe in. Breathe out. Yep, God wants to use you. (laughs) Right? And He can if we'll let Him. The miraculous Jesus, the entire teachings of the New Testament show forth the miraculous Jesus. Everything about Jesus is miraculous. Everything is miraculous. Everything about Him is wonderful. 
Everything about him is splendid. Everything about him is unexplainable, it's supernatural, and it is divine. That's the Jesus, the Savior that we serve. I saw an ad recently mocking Christmas when it said this. Showed some pictures of some gifts and whatnot, probably by an agnostic or an atheist, and said this, uh, speaking of Jesus, what do you think it is, Jesus? It's your, what do you think it is anyway, your birthday? Well, come to find out, it really is. It's the time of the year that we celebrate Christ's birthday. UP Telegraph London years ago, seven prominent British theologians have challenged the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ, saying He never claimed to be God. Did Jesus claim to be God? I want to show you this. Nor the Son of God. But the status of Jesus that he earned to be God was placed upon them by a mixture of the pagans and the influences of the early Christians in 100 to 300 uh, B.C. They wrote a book called The Myth of God Incarnate. Now, I ask you this this morning. Okay, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven, the majority of you. But do we, Peter said this. Peter said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Is this person, the Lord Jesus Christ, is he God? Is he divine? Who is he? Did Jesus claim to be God? The secular world mocks Jesus and his miraculous birth. Do they not? I don't think Brother Stephen can put this up there. Brother Stephen, did you find that at all, that screen? You're going to go up to Colorado Springs and a couple different places. You're going to see this billboard. You know it's a myth. The season, just celebrate reason. American atheist and reason. Now watch this. Years ago, they had one when you came off of Highway 25 and you got off on 1st Street. There was a sign somewhat different than this. You can see this one in Colorado Springs and across the nation now. Can I ask you this? Did, was there really a little baby some 2,000 years ago born in Bethlehem's manger? Did three wise men really come to see him and understood as they brought the gifts, the very gifts that they brought showed that they knew him to be the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Or are we as, now watch as you think about this, Ted Turner said this years ago. He said, Christianity is nothing more and nothing less than a crutch that weak people lean upon to get through life. You know what I would say to Mr. Turner is this, I need that crutch. You want to call it a crutch? I call it a relationship. I call it a God that came to send His Son to this earth to die for us so that He might have in me a presence, and he could walk with me and talk with me and direct me. Look what the Bible says. Let's look at this. Are we too sentimental about a little baby in Bethlehem's manger some 2,000 years ago? The fact that the world today is still growing increasingly more antagonistic towards Jesus Christ, there needs to be some reaffirmation of who Jesus really is. Don't believe me. Don't believe a church. But let's look to and believe the Word of God. I don't mean this morning to be profound because, in fact, I will not be profound at all. But let's find our basis 
of who this little baby is, this miraculous life based in the Word of God. There's one dominant theme in all of the New Testament. You know, know what it is? The miraculous life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the dominant theme in the old, whole New Testament. Now let's look at that. Jesus is always and forever a miraculous person. He is marked by being God veiled in human flesh. When we look at Jesus, can I say this to you this morning? We can say this with certainty. When we look at Jesus, we're looking at God. Look back in your text. We read this. Look at verse number 8. But unto the Son He saith, speaking to the Father, Thy throne, what? O God. So watch this. In the Word of God, Jesus is referred to as God, is He not? Is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of Thy kingdom. No human pen. When we look at Jesus, we're looking at God. Even some who themselves, one man involved in the occult, we think about him, we read about him oftentimes, H.G. Wells. Somebody went to H.G. Wells in 1935 for an article for the Reader's Digest, and they asked Mr. Wells, who himself claimed to be involved in the occult, Mr. Wells, around Christmas time, this was in the December issue of Reader's Digest 1935, who is this person, the Lord Jesus Christ? Mr. Wells responded, when I am asked who the most single most important person who ever walked the face of the earth is, my immediate answer is, it must be that little baby in Bethlehem's manger, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. A theologian of old said this, said, The Jesus of Nazareth, without money and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander the Great, Caesar, Mohammed, and Napoleon all put together. Without science and learning, he has shed more light on the things of the human nature and, uh, and divine philosophies than all philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of an orator or a poet. Without writing a single line, he has set more pins in motion and furnished more themes of more sermons and orations and more discussions, learned volumes, works of art, songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancients and modern times. How can we know for certain that this man that we're studying, this man that came as a babe in Bethlehem's manger, how can we know for certain about his miraculous life? I want to show you several ways. Number one, we know his birth is miraculous because of his works. Because of his works. What did Jesus do when he came? Now, an agnostic, an atheist will tell you this. There is no God, or I'm not convinced that there's a God. Now watch this. You know what I say to some? I'm witnessing right now. been witnessing for over a year to a man that is agnostic. And oftentimes I did this. I did this for over an hour one day. I took my iPad and I said, John, I want you to sit down with me. You see, we know about his works and the first of his works are miracles. If there are miracles, then there must be a miracle worker. Right? And an agnostic or an atheist will say there's no such thing as miracles. And I took my iPad and I showed him the pictures of where our son, 
was on a hospital bed and five neurologists said this, he cannot live. Medical science says he cannot live. The ICP numbers in the brain, the brain pressures, if they get, his were about 28 at that time. I said, well, tell us what will happen in the days to come. Those brain pressures are going to swell. There's bleeding on his brain. It's going to swell. And what will happen is those ICP numbers will continue to climb. When they reach 30, we're very hands-on. When they reach 35, we bring every specialist up that we can. If they go to 40, he's brain dead, we unhook him. With a pastor in the room, pastor chapel in the room, praying over Josh and looking at his body, those numbers went from 28 to 67. He's dead. He's gone. We're just waiting for that time to just come and unhook all the tubes and all of the hoses and all of the things that are keeping him alive. Medical science will tell you he cannot live. Later on, one of the, punctu- one of the broken ribs punctured a lung and the doctor said, listen, we can't go into surgery. He's going to aspirate. He's going he's to grab his last breath. And I could tell you one miracle after another. When we finally got that boy that was not supposed to live home, About a week later, the head neurologist of Antelope Valley Hospital in the Antelope Basin, the L.A. Basin, called and he said this, How is our little miracle son? How is he doing? I said, Doc, he's doing well. But let me ask you, why do you call him a miracle? He said this, he can't be alive. That's one of the miracles that God has shown my wife and I. Now listen, you have yours as well. If there is a miracle, then there must be a giver of miracles, somebody who works those miracles. If there are truly miracles, there must be a, a worker of miracles. Miracles prove the supernatural. If there is a God, then He can intervene in this world at any time He chooses. I think about this. It's good to see Mike and Michelle here and you to remember in prayer, if you would, uh, Dennis and Kathy. And Kathy's situation has changed. And and I want us to remember also Colin's aunt, Kathy, as well. I understand this. And I'm I'm not saying we shouldn't lean upon. We certainly should lean on the medical sciences and listen to doctors and and nurses, they try to attend your care. But the truth of the matter is no doctor, no nurse, no medicine on earth has the final call. God Himself does. When God reveals Himself to mankind, He must reveal Himself in a way that man cannot deny the supernatural. And did Jesus do that? When we look at the life of Jesus, we know that He is God because He did what no man had ever done or could ever do. Look at, leave a marker in Hebrews chapter 1. Go to John 5. We'll use a lot of scripture this morning. Look at John chapter number 5. Did Jesus do things that man had never done and could not do? In John chapter number 5, and look at verse number 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Does Now that agnostic that we just talked about, those seven British theologians that said Jesus never claimed to be God. Does he hear? He said to the Jews who didn't believe in him that he and his Father are one. He's claiming to be equal with God. Is he equal with God? How do we know that? If you look in verse number 23, look at what it says here. 
He not only said, I'm equal with God, but look at verse number 20, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son, honors not the Father, which has sent Him. You know what he's saying? He's demanding worship. He's telling the Jews, you worship my Father, and you know what? The same worship that you give to the Father, you should give to me. Is Jesus here demanding worship? Only God is worthy of your worship and mine. Don't worship a man. I know some people, now watch this, because uh, I shouldn't start mentioning names, but I'm going to throw one out there. Joel Olstein. Mr. Olstein told me. Really? And you will do something that Joel Olstein told you, not even knowing whether it's based in the Word of God or not? We don't follow a man. You don't follow Pastor Rogers. You don't follow the radio, television, pastor, preacher, whoever. We follow the Word of God and through the leading of the Holy Spirit. He's equal with God because He is God. He demands worship. That if we're to worship one, we must worship the other. We have some cults today that will say we worship the true Father. We don't worship the Son. What Jesus is telling us here, if you don't worship me, what your worship you're giving is not true worship. You cannot worship the Father without worshiping His Son. That's what He's saying. Look at chapter 5 and verse number 32. The Bible says here, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Verse 31, There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnessed of me is true. He's speaking of John, isn't he? He's talking about that witness. What works did Jesus... You think about this. In your mind, we're not going to turn there. John chapter number 3 is where it's based. Nicodemus, a good man, came to Jesus by night, and he said unto him, Rabbi, that means master or good teacher, we know that thou art sent from God. How did Nicodemus know Jesus was from God? For no man doeth these miracles except God be with him. Every time, and as a church, as Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, we have seen God do some miraculous things, and we just think that's not humanly possible. I don't know how it happened. We serve a God who's still working miracles today. We study this miraculous life by the works that he's done. What works did Jesus do that no man could do? In Matthew chapter number 4 and John chapter number 2, he healed. It's very important to realize that Jesus never healed just to heal, did he? He healed so that he would, so those that he healed would believe on him. When he opened blinded eyes, he wanted that man, once he saw his sight, to get his spiritual sight and see him as the Savior that he was. When he gave, he healed the lame man on his leg. He wanted that man to see him for who he was. He just didn't heal just so people would get well. And can I say this to you this morning? If you have a disease or an illness that doctors say that there's no cure for, and we pray, and let me encourage you to pray, and, and gather together those around you to pray, but when God sends healing, there is a reason He heals you, there's something, a work that He wants you to do. He never did miracles to satisfy their curiosity. The Jews were always seeking for a sign, were they not? They came to Jesus and said, okay, we want to believe on you that you're the Son of God. Give us a sign. Jesus said, a wicked and an untoward generation seeketh a sign. But if you want one, I'll give you a sign. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the belly, 
in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be what? Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. His resurrection was a sign. He said, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to show you a miracle. The miracle is when you kill me, when you put me on the cross, I'm going to rise again. That's the sign that I give you. What a miraculous life. How do we know it was miraculous? By the works he did. He healed. I think about this. I put it in my, just in my notes very quickly. Did he control nature? Did he step out on a boat and said, Winds be still. He controlled nature. Did he turn the water into wine? Did he steal the wind? Did he tell the fish, 150 some of them, jump in Peter's net? Isn't that awesome? Brother Paul and Brother Stephen and Brother Vernon, you fishermen, you know what? I don't know. You've got to have more patience than Pastor does because when I go fishing, no fish jumps in my net. No fish bites my worm. <laughs> Sometime I want to go with you, Brother Paul or Vernon. You and I have been together. Some of you, me and Brother Doyle, you're a fisherman. But you know what? I just think I'm very impatient. I think that's what it is when I go fishing. Can you imagine, though, Jesus says to Peter, we fished all night. Now listen, Peter was a fisherman. He knew what time of day. He knew what spots. He knew how, how far down to throw his nets. But here's the Savior of the world, this miraculous life. And he says to Peter, cast your nets on the other side. What do you say? Whatever. Huh? Come on. And the Lord spoke to those fish and said to 150 some of them, I want you to go swim in Peter's nets. And you know what? The fish obeyed. He controlled nature. He walked on the water. He multiplied that little boy's lunch where it fed thousands. He spoke to a fig tree and the fig tree withered up and died. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He raised Lazarus. He healed the withered hand. He gave sight to the blinded eyes. And watch it when Peter tried to cut off. Peter did cut off Malchus's ear. Can you imagine this? Jesus reached down and picked up a cut off ear. And it could hear <laughs> better than it could before it got cut off. I say this to you. Is the screen true? Is it? Now watch it just saying, you know what? Don't believe in all of this, all of this stuff. It's just myth. Just believe in reason. Or should we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? This miraculous life was miraculous because of his works. But I say this also to you. It was miraculous because of his birth. Look at Matthew 1, if you would please. Matthew 1, verse 18. I'm going to make a statement when we read this verse. And I want you to, this is not something new. I told you we would not be profound this morning. Matthew chapter 1, and look at verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on, the, on this wise. When as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found great. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Here's what's miraculous about his birth. Jesus did not begin to exist in Bethlehem. He didn't begin to exist. He existed for all of eternity before He came as the babe in Bethlehem's manger. He stepped out over heaven's portals and He became man there in Bethlehem's manger. He did not begin to exist in Bethlehem. He was with the Father in heaven and He came into a human body. And when His time would come, He would leave His body and return to the Father again. 
He pre-existed and the Holy Spirit planted in the seed into Mary to give the physical form which would occupy Mary's womb. John 1.14, say it with me if you would. The Word was made what? Flesh. When was the Word made flesh? In Bethlehem's manger and dwelt among us. That word means tabernacled among us. We saw Him. We ate with Him. We heard Him. We walked with Him. We touched Him. Jesus was had a miraculous birth. Hebrews tells us that God hath prepared for him a body. God made the embryo apart from Mary and Joseph and placed it into Mary's room for care, for care prior to birth. Brother Stephen and I, when we started on this lesson, he got to studying it even deeper. So over lunch, he tells me, he said, Pastor, you say the seed was not Joseph's seed. It was the seed of a woman. Yes, that's true. But Mary was a sinner, wasn't she? Mary was a sinner. She needed a Savior. But watch this. So does Jesus have tainted blood? No, not at all. Because that little work was the work of the Holy Spirit of God. That embryo, whatever you want to say, was planted. But Mary and Joseph had not been sexually active. They were just espoused. They were not. And so that little, that little baby was placed in Mary. It's a thing holy of God, holy of the Spirit of God. Now you think about this. What a miraculous birth. What about it was miraculous? Jesus was born sinless. Little Anna's with us today, right? Eight, I'm sorry. And now watch this. Samuel's with us today, right? Now watch it. I'm not, uh, I, I, I didn't hold John and Liz's yet. I don't know if I've held Samuel yet, but I've looked at him good with him. Think about this. You're going to learn something, Brother David. You're going to learn something, Brother John, if you haven't already. Right now, they're as innocent as could be. Now watch it. Later on, they're going to get a mind of their own. Always wondered about this. You know, when mom, and I guess, and ladies, can I say this to you? Does anybody still feed Gerbers? You still do the Gerbers thing? Anybody, is that, is that old-fashioned? That's done away with? No? No? Did your mom ever do this? Take that little, open up your mouth, and take that little, and put it in, and go, and they'll shovel it again and put it back in, huh? Some of that's just being cute. Some of it's being ornery. I don't like those strain peas. Smart kid. <laughs> I don't like those strain peas. Give me, some, give me some applesauce or something. Huh? Then you'll make them the meal and they'll know you, Mama, wants you to eat that, okay? And you'll, when she starts, he or she starts to eat on her own, put him in a little high chair and cut that thing up. And when you're not looking, tip the bowl off and put it on the floor. I know none of your kids would do that, but our kids did. But I say this to you, not only was that a miraculous birth because of who he was, he was God veiled in human flesh, but he was sinless. He was unlike any other high priest. Hebrews chapter number four, I want you to see this. Do you understand the book of Hebrews, what it does? It compares what they had under Old Testament law and compares what we have in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter four, and look at verse number 15. The Bible says there, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet, what? What does it say? Without sin. Then verse 16 tells us that we can come boldly into the throne of grace. 
Why? We have a high priest, but hit now watch it. The high priest in 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 the days of old, he offered a sacrifice for himself, didn't he? First, before he took the sacrifices of others. I'm gonna say this to you. Jesus never offered a sin offering for himself. Why? He never sinned. I read this week, we did in devotion, we read Psalm 51, where God sent prophet Nathan to to David and said, you've sinned and and watch this. And then in Psalm 51, David gets right with God. He confesses his sin. He says, it's my sin. I acknowledge my sin and my transgression is ever before me. He asked for the cleansing of God. Can you understand when you read Psalm 51, Jesus could have never spoken those words truthfully? He has no sin to be forgiven of. He's sinless. I ask you this this morning, who can convict Jesus of sin? The Romans couldn't, and they wanted to. The Jews couldn't. Pilate couldn't. Say what Pilate said. I find no fault in him. Pilate couldn't. The disciples couldn't. History can't. And can I tell you this? You can't and I can't. He was without sin. It was just the absence. It was not just the absence of sin in his life. It was a life of holiness and righteousness. Jesus never confessed sin. So we look at this. What is this miraculous life of the Lord Jesus Christ? It was miraculous because of his works. The miracles He did, the healing that He did, the controlling of nature, but then also because of His birth. Now I want to show you this. His life was miraculous because of His words. Look at John 7, if you would please. John chapter number 7. Because of His words, Jesus' life, no man ever spake like this before. In John chapter number 7, and look at verse number 45. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. When Jesus was 12 years old, he went into the temple, and he shocked the, the, the scribes and the, and the Pharisees and the priests with his teaching. 12 years old! They were astonished in amazement of his teaching. Nobody had ever spoken. The Gospels were without question the greatest literature ever written. They're read by more people, quoted by more authors, translated into more languages, represented in more art, set to more music than any other words ever written. What wonderful words. Watch as you say, this miraculous life, this, the Lord Jesus Christ, that little babe in Bethlehem manger, what makes it miraculous? His works. His birth, His words. You see, in Jesus' teaching, He deals with the real questions of life. You ever ask yourself this question? Who is God? Jesus answers that. You ever ask yourself, does He love me? Jesus answers that. Does He care about me? What should I do to please Him? How does He look upon me? What about my sin? Can I be forgiven? Can I have a home in heaven? How am I to treat others? All these profound questions and many more, Jesus answers in His Word and by His words. What a miraculous life. So much so. Look at Acts chapter number 4. Many of you committed this verse to memory. Acts chapter number 4. His influence is reduced to one marvelous statement in Acts chapter number 4, in verse number 12. 
neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Why? You can look at Christmas. I'm not, I'm not faulting you with this. And if you do the Santa Claus thing and the tree and the lights and the presents, that's okay. You decide what Christmas is as far as how you want to celebrate Christmas. But I'm here to tell you this, that when we as a church and Christian God's people look at this precious time of the year, we ought to understand it is a time that we celebrate God's greatest gift to mankind. That little babe in Bethlehem's manger And what a miraculous life he'd had. What a miraculous birth. What miraculous works that he did. The personality of Jesus Christ is without question, comparison, unique and incomparable. I I wrote down in my notes just a few things he said. Are these... Whoever said something like this? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Aren't those magnificent words? He said them. He says them to you today, and just like he said them to Thomas and John in John's gospel, they ring out today. Some months ago, we had somebody get saved when those verses were spoken of in a, in a funeral setting, and they heard those words, a good person, would, but they heard the words of Jesus Christ, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that person came to know Christ as Savior. He also said, the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Aren't you glad? He also said, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He also said, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of day. He also said, whosoever drinks of the water I give him shall never thirst. He also said, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He also said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. What magnificent words this little baby spoke. Can I ask you this this morning? Have the words of Jesus Christ changed your life? They changed mine as a 12-year-old boy. They grew up in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And my faithful youth pastor took it a bonfire in Palmer Lake, Colorado and spoke the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I realized that I was dying and going to hell without him and went to my youth pastor, Brother Jerry, those words you spoke smote my heart. Take a Bible. Show me how I can know for sure I'm going to And when I die, I go to heaven. And a faithful youth pastor showed me how I could be saved. The words of Jesus Christ changed my life. What a miraculous life. Why? Because of his works. Because of his birth. Because of the miracles he did. I want to show you this. Jesus' birth was miraculous because of the power over death. Back to Hebrews 2. We were at Hebrews 1. Go to Hebrews 2. Tomorrow, there will be a service for Greg Hoskins. We buried Mama and Daddy. Mrs. Bliss brought a picture of Daryl and Catherine. Every time I see that picture, I miss them both. I have no authority as a pastor to make anybody at a funeral setting feel any different than the hopelessness they come into a funeral with. There's our loved one. He or she's gone. They're gone. What great joy as a pastor when you know that person knew Christ as Savior and you say this. Listen. All that died of them could die, 
but they had a soul that is eternal. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 2, why is he miraculous? Because by his birth, he was given power over death. Hebrews 2, and look at verse number 14, for as much then... As the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, his death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. Speaking of Satan, that is the devil. I'm going to say this to you. Satan can't, can't take a child of God to hell. Can't do it. Huh? I remember I made a priest mad one time. Made a priest mad one time in the city of Chicago. Had a bus route. Little Junior Garcia trusted Christ, nine years old. And I mean, that boy got saved. And he started inviting his brothers and sisters and mom and dad and aunt and uncles and anybody who watches. We had a bus route that had like 20-some on it before Junior got saved. And then Junior got saved. Within a month, that bus was running 60 and 70. Every Saturday, we would go up there into the heart of Chicago, and there's Junior. We'd go to Junior's house first. And Junior would go with us to visit all those bus kids. And you know what? There were so many people that got on that bus and came and heard the words of Jesus and got saved that it upset a priest whose church was right at the heart of where our bus route was. Let me tell you exactly what that priest said to me. Standing in the street, Junior's house is here and his church is here. He said, if you put any of those kids on that bus and you teach them anything other than what our church teaches them, I will damn your soul to hell. You know what I said to him? Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. My soul is not in the hands of a church. My soul is not in the hands of a pastor. My soul is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John 10 says that my soul is in Jesus' hand and Jesus puts His hand in the Father's hand. Now watch this. And Billy Sunday used to say this. If he called the devil smutty face. And he said, if old smutty face could ever have my soul, he'd have to pry open the hands of an omnipotent God. He'd have to pry open the hands of a, of a loving Savior and snatch my soul from Jesus Christ. And he said this, and if old smutty face ever gets that close, he might just get saved himself. <laughs> to what Billy Sunday would say. He's miraculous because of his power over death. Can I say this to you? No wonder 1 Corinthians 15 says, Oh, death, oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Why? Jesus Christ, when he said it is finished, and you trust him as Lord and Savior, he's victorious over death. How are we going to explain this man called Jesus? Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life said things so profound that could never come from a human mind. He did things could not, that could not be done by the natural man. He conquered death and influenced the world even still today. Can I say this to you? The agnostics and the atheists are wrong. It's wrong. Jesus is God. He proved it through His life. He proved it through his birth. 
He proved it through his works. He proved it through his words. And I say this to you this morning. If you don't know him and you trust him, he'll change you forever. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. You know what we have? Pick up the story of Brother Ehart back there before you go out. We have a man, Brother Paul, am I not right? Did Jesus make a difference in your life? How many of you say, preacher, and then this is not my testimony. Sometimes you men that have this testimony, pastor says, I wish I could stand up and say, you know, Jesus saved me off of a bar stool or Jesus saved me out of the drug or alcohol, uh, alcohol culture. That's not my testimony. I grew up in church. But the truth of the matter is we have a church full of people that Jesus, they respond to the words of Jesus. And that little babe in Bethlehem's manger made the biggest difference in their life and make a difference for all of eternity. Christmas is much more than reindeer. Christmas is much more than Santas and lights and trees and gifts and buying and selling. Christmas is God saying to you and God saying to me, I sent you my only begotten son. He's God. Trust him. Believe on him. And you'll be saved and you'll be changed. Stand please. Father, help us this morning. I pray that you would direct our hearts. Father, I pray that you would change our mindset about Christmas. I love the Christmas season. I love the lights. I love the festivities. I love the time when family's together. And we would enjoy all of those things. But Father, may we, we ever be reminded of what took place some 2,000 years ago with that little baby in Bethlehem's manger.